It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. I'm so thankful that Lori Bernhardt's co-worker introduced her to podcasts. What a busy lady with her job and her quilting. I'm also thankful for the time she took out of her busy schedule to visit with me. Not only did Lori share pictures of her beautiful quilts to see on my website, but you can take a look at her beautiful quilting on her Facebook page, LB Quilting. Thank you, Lori, for joining me on A Quilter's Life. Well, thank you, Paula. I'm, I'm excited to do this. Out of curiosity, how did you find out about me? Uh, okay, so that's a really good story because I have never listened to podcasts before this, probably this year. And a friend of mine at work, I would see him with his earbuds in and need to ask him a question. And he would stop and he said, oh, I listen to a podcast. And I didn't really know what they were. Every once in a while, we'd be in the break room at the same time. And he would tell me about what he had heard on this podcast. So I was just really curious what this was. And would there be something out there that might have an interest for me quilting? So sure enough, I went on my iPad and went to the podcast app and just typed in quilting. And I found your podcast and there's one for quilting daily and mm -hmm. and uh, Leah Day has one. So I just started listening. Occasionally at work, I'll have uh, a task where I can listen to a podcast and then continue with my work. Not all the time, but sometimes I can, you know, push a rock, push a rock. Mm -hmm. And I can listen. So that's where I found your podcast. Oh, neat. And, and I told Jace, I said, you're the reason. <laughs> <laughs> and so I really enjoyed listening to the stories. That's what really got me was listening to the people you interview. And they would say, you know, just have to do this. Or, And I was thinking, that's what I feel. So it's just amazing. That's that, so neat. That we all feel this way. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that with me. Sure. Tell me about where you were born and raised. I grew up in Decatur, Arkansas. Decatur is in the very northwest corner of the state. We could get to Missouri to the north or Oklahoma to the west within an hour. When I grew up, this was during the 60s to the mid 70s and Decatur at that time was pretty small, maybe only about 800 people. I'm the oldest of three. I have two brothers, one and two years younger than I am. And we would just go everywhere. We walked all over town. We rode our bicycles. It was really a, a great time to be a kid. We lived right on Main Street. <laughs> Daddy worked for the telephone company, which was right next door, and he would just walk out the back door and go to work every day. 
he was originally from Decatur and he had eight brothers and sisters. So we have family that we could see often. And our mother was from Oklahoma and we only saw her family, you know, during the summer or at Christmas time, just on holidays. And then we moved to Huntsville when I was about 15, which is two hours away. And Daddy got recruited to go work for that telephone company. And one Sunday, they said, come on, kids, let's go for a ride. Which was, you know, we did this often, so it was no big deal. Mm -hmm. So we go for a ride, and we end up in Huntsville. And so still, there's not really any kind of concern. We'd actually been there a couple years before. I went to Girl Scout camp there. And we, you know, oh, we're in Huntsville. So... We go to this house, and Daddy says, oh, I know these people. Let's go visit them. So we go in the house, and it's nice. It's, you know, we're just visiting with these people, and and their daughter-in-law walks in. During the introductions, she said, oh, I bet you're excited that you're moving to Huntsville. And my mother said, oh, we haven't told them yet. <laughs> and so... The three of us, see, I was 15, Mike 14, and the Randy uh, 12. We all just started bawling, crying Aww. right there in the ladies' kitchen. Then the two-hour ride home, we just sat in the back seat of the car just crying. Well, anyway, that Christmas break, we, we did move to Huntsville. Wow. I have a sister-in-law that lives near Huntsville, so I was picturing oh. Oh. where you are. Where do you live now? We're in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Okay. You mentioned your job. Could you tell me a little bit about the job you do? Okay. Right now I work for the USDA. There's a National Rice Research Center here. About two years after my husband and I got married, uh, his job changed. Can I back up? I'm yeah. I met John, he's an entomologist, and I met him when I got a, my first secretarial job to work for his boss. They had called my advisor at the time and said, you know, this fellow can't, we can't read his writing. We need somebody who can take shorthand. Mm. So my roommate and I were ready to move out of the dorm and get an apartment, but we needed to work full time. So I told my advisor I was looking for a job, and, and so she said, oh, by the way, you know, the entomology department has a an opening. And I said, sure, I'm I'm interested. And then I said, but what is entomology? Mm -hmm. So which is the study of insects. Oh. So I got the job and I worked for a cotton entomologist named Dr. Phillips and he had graduate students and research associates. And John at the time was a research associate and that's how we met. And about two years later, we got married. So about two years after that, his job ended with the cotton project, and he was hired to be a rice entomologist. And rice is grown in this part of the state. We're in the southeastern part of the state, hmm. and the job was here in Stuttgart. So we moved here at Christmas time in 1985. I worked at Riceland Foods in different clerical positions until our son was born in 1993. 
I stayed home. I was really fortunate. I, I got to stay home with Philip for a couple of years. And then I got a job at a behavioral health care center and did the scheduling and medical records. But it was kind of a stressful job. And I was always looking for something. About that time, the USDA built the National Rice Research Center right next door to the University of Arkansas Rice Center. I found out that the director was looking for a personal secretary. That's what I wanted to do. So I became a federal employee in 1999. So this gentleman, he was of the generation that, you know, he didn't use a computer. He wrote everything out in longhand. And my main responsibility was typing everything. So I was typing this proposal for for what they call the genetic stock center. I was looking, I was trying to find something that might be a little bit more challenging than typing manuscripts all day. They were going to need somebody who had computer skills, who could uh, multitask and just have an attention to detail. I said, okay, this is me. And I applied for that job and I became the computer assistant with the, the Rice Genetic Stock Center. And what it is, is we distribute rice seed for research. And so I'll send seeds all over the world. Wow. And then we have scientists and their job is to research rice, you know, how it's grown. They look at uh, disease resistance, drought tolerance, how to improve the cooking quality, the taste. So to me, my job is pretty small compared to that, but it's really rewarding to know that we are doing something. There's our cultures in this world that rice is their main food staple. Mm -hmm. And the research that we're doing, I think, impacts people not only in the U.S., but all over the world. Oh, the other part of that is Arkansas grows the most rice in the United States. Really? Yes. So my boss, the first supervisor I had, his tagline was, so what better place to put the National Rice Research Center uh-huh. than Stuttgart, Arkansas? So I do a lot of computer work and packaging, shipping seeds, but I also work outside and it's hot and sweaty outside. Mm-hmm. I do not like to get hot and sweaty. Mm-mm. I'm hoping, you know, pretty soon I'll Well, actually, I'm eligible to retire next year, and I'm really hoping I can do that, and I want to concentrate on my quilting after that. Yeah, and how long have you been working there? Uh, 21 years now. Wow. So that takes up quite a bit of your time. Do you have much time left for other hobbies? Well, right now I focus mainly on quilting. I have done other things. Uh-huh. What what uh, kind of hobbies or crafts have you done? Well, in the 80s, I did kind of cross-stitch. I got my husband interested in it. One day, I handed a book to him, and I said, pick out a pattern, and I'll make it for you. And, and he said, well, I think I can do this. <laughs> so uh, it just became something we did together. We would go on trips, whether it was at holiday or for a meeting of his or something, and we would try to find cross-stitch shops because in the 80s, they were plentiful. Yeah. So, you know, it's really hard to find one now. 
And I remember one time we went to this one town and, and he said, well, let's find a phone book. And so we found one and, and there were several listed. And he said, well, just take that page out and we'll go look for them. <laughs> I felt really guilty because I was thinking, oh, what if daddy finds out that I defaced this phone book? <laughs> anyway, we really enjoyed doing that. Let's see. Something else I did, I taught myself how to knit Early on in our marriage, when we still lived in Fayetteville, his job took him out of town about four days a week. And every Sunday afternoon, I would stand there in the driveway just bawling, waving goodbye to him. So I decided, okay, uh, I've got to get busy. I've got to do something. So I found a book at Walmart called Learn to Knit, and I taught myself how to knit. Now, of course, that was probably in the very early 80s. And then after we moved to Stuttgart, in 85, I continued the cross stitch until Philip came along, our son. He was born in 1993. Mm-hmm. I could only stitch when he was napping, so it took a long time to get a project finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found with cross stitch, though, it was a project I could easily pick up and put down. Yes. I tried stained glass. And beaded jewelry, and I tried smocking, and I didn't really care for that one. And I've also tried rug hooking. Later, I realized that I came by this need to try all these different things from my dad. Because when I thought about it, he tried all kinds of things. He built a ham radio and got his license. He wanted to play the banjo. And he tried really hard, and he would sit in his chair, and he would have that banjo, and he would play that part from Dueling Banjos uh-huh. in the beginning, but that's all he could play. And I can remember trying to watch TV, and that he would be picking that banjo in the background. <laughs> Let's see, he got a camera, 45-millimeter camera, and took a class, but his final hobby was woodworking, and he made some really nice clocks and furniture. But I've realized, like him... With my crafts, I'm always, you know, I just go all in. I get all the magazines, all the patterns, and and now with the Internet, you can just research everything. Uh I have bookshelves just packed with magazines on cross-stitch and knitting. And when Philip went away to college, I started a knitting group and taught some friends how to knit. We probably had 12 members at one time, and we met every week. One of the things I always was looking for different patterns, different challenges. I made a, uh, a shawl that is from lace weight yarn and it had glass beads knitted into it. And it's about 40 inches wide. I can pull it through my wedding band. Really? It's just so uh, delicate. So that's one of my favorite knitted items. Cool. So how did you find out about quilting? Who introduced you? Well, I started sewing when I was about 12. And my mother didn't sew, but she had a sewing machine for her mother. And Grandma would come and visit. My mother would give her the mending to do. And she made quilts as our graduation presents. So I think that's when I was first exposed, seeing her sewing in her house. 
And then I got that machine when I turned about 14 and I started sewing garments and I took home ec in school and I sewed for myself and then John and then baby clothes for Philip. And in the eighties, I remember watching sewing with Nancy. Mm-hmm. And then when I was home with Philip, I watched simply quilts with Alex Anderson. And I think watching that show that's when I worked up the nerve to make my first quilt. And I, I remember it was a pattern by Diana McClung. Philip, I think he was first or second grade. And I was working on it and he would come by, Mommy, why do you cut up that material just to sew it back together? <laughs> but that's what we do. Yeah. Do you think any of the other hobbies that you've done, you apply some of your knowledge into your quilting now? Oh, gosh. It's possible. Quilting, you can get very detailed. And and, um, I like to try to make the points match. With knitting, you know, you have to follow that pattern or you'll have a big hole in the fabric. Or So I hadn't thought about that. But I think in all cases, it's in the details. Yeah. Can you describe your favorite quilt or quilt pattern that you like to use? Well, I made one in 2017 called a New York Beauty mm-hmm. pattern. It, it has all these really spiky circles. And I think that's my favorite because it was my first try at paper piecing. I made it for my husband. He helped me pick out all the fabrics. It's made with batiks. Uh-huh. And I just really like that one. I think that's when I first tried uh, free motion quilting as well. And then I I really like the Irish chain pattern. I tend to use it for baby quilts. I I kind of make that one over and over again. Oh, neat. Do you have a favorite tool you use? Actually, I do. I like to use the little thread nippers that cut by squeezing the handles instead of putting your fingers through like a pair of scissors. And they have curved blades, so when you're cutting the threads on top of the quilt, it just does a really good job. And it's funny because when I started wanting a pair of these, this is a couple years ago, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go buy a pair of these nippers. Well, I got a phone call from my local fabric shop, and they told me I had won a door prize, and I could pick it up uh, at my convenience. So I was really intrigued because I never win anything. So I get to the shop and they hand me this really nice zippered case that said Floriani. And inside were a couple of pairs of stainless steel scissors with different blades, uh, tweezers, and a thread nipper. Oh, cool. So, So I was just so excited. And I recently wore it out and had to buy another pair. Hmm. So... That would be my favorite tool. Neat. So what's your favorite part of the quilting process? Okay, so I think this is not a good answer, but it's every step. I see a pattern. Like I said, I have all these magazines and now the Internet, but I would see a pattern and I just need to make this quilt. So then I go and I pick the fabric out and that's I guess that's probably my favorite part but then I 
I enjoy the piecing and, um, and then now it's free motion quilting. I, mm-hmm. I just really like uh, doing that. When I get close to finishing a quilt, I'm already planning the next one. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it just seems to be a never ending thing, which is wonderful for me. That's neat. It's really cool that you enjoy the whole process. Mm-hmm. Can you describe your worst quilting experience? So I've been pretty lucky to not really have any disasters. Um, however, uh, about a year and a half ago, a friend at work and his wife had a baby and I made a quilt for the new baby. And I always like to put a label on it to commemorate, you know, have the baby's mm-hmm. name and the date. Well, I had the email that had the announcement of the new baby to have the, the spelling of the baby's name. And I gifted the quilt and the mother wrote me the nicest thank you note about this quilt and the heirloom for their family. And a little bit, uh, I don't know, six months later or so, I happened to see the baby's name in print. It did not match the label that I put on the quilt. (laughs) So I asked my friend at work, I said, did I put the wrong name, misspell the name? on the the quilt and he said yes but it's okay and I just begged him I said bring me that quilt and let me correct it and he said no I talked to his wife I said let me correct it no no it's okay we love it we love it but that's you know that's a concern of mine this child is going to grow up in a couple of years and and recognize his name and then he'll realize that quilt has someone else's name on it (laughs) so I guess that's not so much of a disaster, but it's it's a, a concern for me. Oh, yeah. That's why you put their name on it, so they know it's theirs. Right. My niece did foster to adopt, and mm-hmm. the baby's name was Serenity. Well, after they adopted her, they changed her name. But oh. her quilt says Serenity. Oh, sure. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was an odd feeling. You can't change your name. I made a quilt. (laughs) Lori, why do you make quilts? Oh, I feel like I'm getting emotional. Um, I feel that this is a God-given talent, and it's something I need to do. And I've been blessed to be able to make things with my hands and um, for myself and for for others, for people I love, and um, I've also been fortunate to be able to try all kinds of crafts. But I I seem to have always come back to the sewing machine. In 2017, it became my therapy. Both my parents became sick, and I kind of lost control. Mm-hmm. I couldn't control their illnesses, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. But I found I could go in my sewing room and I could control my sewing machine. So um, that's when I really came back to quilting. And I also found um, YouTube. And I don't know if it was late nights uh, looking for information, you know, on caring for people. or I don't know what it was. But I discovered Angela Walters and mm-hmm. her website. Quilting is my therapy. Truly, I must have been searching for therapy. (laughs) 
but I became just enthralled with this free motion quilting and realized I could do it on my machine. And so I decided to try it and I made baby quilts and charity quilts and I just practiced all these different designs. I would end up with a new quilt. Yeah. So, um, and then in 2018, the, the husband of one of my dear friends, Kathleen, he called and asked if I would finish a t-shirt quilt that Kathleen had started. Kathleen had lost her battle with ovarian cancer uh-huh. uh, the year before. So I agreed and I finished that quilt and I felt really close. I kept thinking about Kathleen, mm-hmm. uh, thinking how she had, you know, she had started and cut out these t-shirts and, and I was thinking she handled all this and I felt really close to her. Wow. And just as I finished that quilt, another friend called and said, I just found this quilt top that my grandmother made. Would you be able to put it into a quilt for me? So that's when um, I really think it was God nudging me to share this Mm -hmm. uh, with others. And so I think I mentioned to you, I have a Facebook page called LB Quilting. So that's when I decided to not only quilt for me, but quilt for others. And it was not necessarily to make extra money, which is always good, mm-hmm. and buy more fabric, <laughs> but it was always a way to have a quilt going. Are you familiar with prayer shawls? Have you, have you heard of that? I was knitting. I had learned about prayer shawls. Someone knits a shawl, and while you're doing it, you're praying for that person. Mm-hmm. Well, I find myself when I'm making a quilt for someone, whether it's the grandmother's quilt or, or finishing a t-shirt quilt or something, I, I tend to think, or I pray about that person who will use that quilt. So I, I guess I make prayer quilts. Yeah. So since that time, I've probably made about 20 quilts, whether they're for commission or charity quilts or gifts, but I just need to make a quilt. Yeah. That's so neat. (laughs) And you know they're appreciated. I hope so. I think you just answered who you make them for. Is that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a tip to share? I guess my tip or my advice to everyone is to just do it. To just try that challenging pattern or buy the pretty fabric and save it until you're ready to use it and try something new. When you accomplish it, you'll just feel so good about yourself. Mm -hmm. You can find resources. We have so much available now uh, on YouTube. There are groups on Facebook and quilters are so nice and they encourage you. They, They can help you decide what color thread, how many borders to put on. But I would say, You know, do it, ask questions. And this is something I've learned in my job and um, while I've been quilting. You need to at least ask questions. The answer may be no, (laughs) or you can't do it, but the answer may be yes. Mm -hmm. And that's really exciting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's amazing what pops in our heads sometimes, isn't it? 
Yes. With working full time, you don't have a whole lot of time. So are you part of any guilds? Uh, I am not. I did look for a, a local guild, and there is one. Uh, they meet during the day. Yeah. And it's too far to drive. Where I work is a 15-minute drive, so it's too far to come in. I try to get in my sewing room in the evenings, and especially if I have a project going. Uh, sometimes it's just to go in there and move things around. But I might get involved with the guild later. Yeah. Do you have anything else you would like to share with me? Well, in 2018, I did get to go to Paducah. Oh, cool. Uh, at the fall quilt show. And John went with me. I really enjoyed it. I introduced myself to Bonnie Browning. <laughs> and she was very nice and gracious. You know, this strange person coming up to her in the food court. But I saw quilts made by Marilyn Badger, Chula Pink, and Angela Walters. And, John, you have to take my picture. <laughs> and, and I just stood there, and I was just so excited. These people were standing right next to me. But I had my picture taken in front of these wonderful quilts. I test drove sit-down long-arm machines, and last summer we bought one. Wow. So uh, I'm really enjoying using it. I guess... I just feel really blessed that I'm able to do this. Mm -hmm. well, this is so much fun. I was looking forward to this all week. Getting oh, well, to talk with you. you. I've enjoyed it too. And like I said, I've not done this before. So you made it very easy. Oh, thank you. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.